0: Gaming Today presents Cash Considerations.
1: Welcome to the Cash Considerations podcast. Today is Thursday, July 30th, and we made it, boys. We made it to the end of July, the return of the NBA to go with baseball. Two team sports in America. It's been a long road, but we're here. And before we get to the Fonzie Parlay and everything else and the success of that, let's welcome the boys. The format of the show is a little different today. We have a special guest with us. He's going to hang with us for a while. Cannot wait to get to him. But first and foremost, tonight, again, it's two guys in the one single square with one microphone. This week we'll start with at percent Berg Allen Berg A B. What's up?
2: Uh, I'm here, man. That's about it. That's about it. I'm just it. I'm just breathing. So you know I've Fair. got an NBA action, so I'm good. So everything. Yeah.
1: It's the time to sweat. And I mean, if there's anyone that knows the sweat, it's the guy next to you. You look like you've been sweating the Pelicans and and, and Jazz already. <laughs> the hair's messed up. You're you 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 shaking your head. Yelling at the TV. We're at halftime of the Lakers and Clippers. So we have your attention right now. Mo Toy Pearson at ED Stakes on Twitter. Mo, what is up?
3: I don't know. No, I'm, I'm kidding. No, what's going on, fellas? This, yeah, I, no. I, no, I was sweating out the sky. They blew it, man. Oh, it just,
1: WNBA. started. WNBA. To, I apologize. That's my bad. I, I, I didn't mean to pass on the WNBA. No, you,
3: you did,
1: you like did
2: Yeah, sorry. You meant it. I got to hear him ask why they gave her the last layup. I'm not going to use names.
1: Fair well, I'm,
3: I'm done cheering for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: our producer extraordinaire, Reynolds. I am Reynolds, 2305, upper left-hand corner on my screen, doing his job. Thank you, sir. Making sure everyone sounds good. And then welcoming today's show on the GT Cash Consideration guest line, uh, we'll call it. Thank you, Zoom. We have the one, the only Todd Furman, at Todd Furman on Twitter. Todd, first of all, what's up? How are you, sir? Thank you for joining us.
0: You know, I'm doing well, guys. It's great to have sports back. We've waited anxiously for the return of the NBA. We got a little NHL coming on Saturday, an exhibition game, of course, going on right now with our beloved Golden Knights, Major League Baseball. It almost feels like we're inching closer to that semblance of normalcy. So let's hope that the worst is behind us and we can continue to move forward,
1: especially as it pertains to sports betting space. Cool. Well said, sir. That's the way to come into the show. Um, there's no such thing
3: as normal. That's not even a real word. I was
1: just – uh, The,
3: the terminator's said, got it all wrong.
0: Me, you know, now- com- coming from a guy who's probably been sweating third division Ukrainian table tennis and was directly involved – in the investigation here i can only take what he's got to say you were the the one
3: asking for plays my man so i mean you should well i mean if
0: if you got it if you got inside information i'm not afraid to bet a cockroach race down at the local watering hole all that (laughs) money is just as green i'm just wondering dave and alan when you guys do this show do you have a mute button for mo or alan you have a big boxing glove you just quickly throw an elbow you take a 10 minute penalty you do something (laughs) along those lines if you have to silence him
2: Here's the thing. First off, first off, why are you telling people about this? We got to get the hell out of here. Of now. course. Yeah. Oh no, God. I mean, um, yeah, no, Mo, you know, we just every now and then I'll slap him. That does happen. So the
0: best way to do things, my friend, I applaud that kind of effort and the way that you can rule with an iron
1: fist. Yes. <laughs> we had the social distance when we were doing the show live in person, we couldn't sit too close to each other because Alan does just his right hand just pops. So we had to keep them separated. Now they're together, and we're all apart, and Mo still doesn't stop talking. I so can't. It's impossible. We have no mute button. To do it. We, we, that's actually Reynolds. That may be in addition to the show at some point when the budget increases. Uh, we'll talk to Howard Barish about that. That's at Gaming Today News, HB. The uh, managing editor of Gaming Today is not with us tonight. The show is at GTCashConsider on Twitter, and my Twitter is at SportsPK Consig for Sportsbook Consigliere. Um, Thank you again for following the show, listening to the show, and tweeting out at us. We're doing a lot of things there. We got a lot of hits on the Fonzie Parlay. We'll get to that later. Uh, Todd, let's start with you first. I have um, basically a list of things here. I don't know what to call you, so <laughs> I'm just going to list them, and you can tell me. We have former odds maker slash financial analyst at Caesars Palace, or with okay. Caesars Corporation. That works. We have... Uh, the host of the Bet the Board podcast, which is a hell of a nice t-shirt you're wearing. Thank and, you. I appreciate the plug. Okay. <laughs> and then we have an analyst on Fox Bet Live with Clay Travis, Cousin Sal, and Rachel Bonetta. Okay. We're good so far. And I just have race guy. I don't know what to put it under. I don't know. It's NASCAR something, race hub. I couldn't figure out what it was called. You tell me. No, you got it
0: right, David. It's Race Hub. I mean, the way I kind of go about it, I say I'm a jack of all trades, a master of absolutely none uh, in the grand scheme of things. So any platform they're going to give me to try and talk about sports, specifically sports betting, to make this more mainstream, to try and weave it into the conversation, I'm going to take full advantage. Uh, and it's great. I mean, if you'd have told me years ago when I got in this space right out of college back in what, 2005, 2006, that sports betting would be part of the day to day conversation. We'd we'll be talking about all these professional teams in Vegas. I'd have laughed at you. Uh, but let's hope the next 10, 12 years are only as exciting as what we've gone through as far as the city's concerned over the last 10 or so.
1: Oh, that's, uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, starting with back then, right, 2005. So it was uh, Wesleyan, is where you went to school.
0: That I did share an alma mater with Bill Belichick. He's won a few more Super Bowls than I think I'll ever have on my resume. So I can't really take credit for that. But let me say it was a much different experience. When uh, you go into a Division three school, you're playing hockey in a liberal arts environment, about 2,500 kids. Uh, I think I chose wisely when I was given the opportunity to pick by, between my commitment to collegiate athletics and my sports gambling career. I don't think this will come as a shock to anybody that at about 145 pounds soaking wet as a goalie was never going to get a cup of coffee in the NHL. So I figured there was a better chance for me to make money behind the counter uh, than there was trying to stop 95 mile hour slap shots. Um,
1: Okay. So where is Wesleyan? Lovely
0: Middletown, Connecticut, about a stone's throw from Hartford on a good day. And uh, I'd say about 40 minutes from Bristol. So, you know, the whole time I was there, I figured, okay, I'm right in the cradle of sports coverage. I'm going to go live in Bristol. I'm going to find a way into ESPN. never would have imagined, honestly, that my career would have taken the path it has to bring me out to Vegas. Uh, My friends and family, they may have uh, disagreed, knowing that I was trying to bet games at 12 to 13 and sending money to the Caribbean when I was a freshman in high school.
3: Um, Criminal.
1: The the boys can play (laughs) even at Division III um, at that point. So, like you said, stopping pucks wasn't in your future. But you're there in Connecticut, and you you grew up in that area, right? So you were back east. How did you end up in Vegas?
0: You know what? I actually grew up in Chicago. Um, Ended up out in Connecticut, though, Dave, after uh, my sophomore year of high school. Went to prep school outside of Boston. Tried to figure out, hey, look, how can I get more exposure playing hockey? How can I get a slightly better education? And that's honestly probably one of the biggest opportunities that hockey gave me, was getting me into those kind of schools where I hopefully was able to take advantage and to be quite honest, you know, had always been fascinated with gambling, wasn't sure old, you know, how to get into that as a long-term profession. Thought forever that I was gonna put my economics degree to good use, working on Wall Street. Uh, I was gonna be the Jordan Belfort type, that I was gonna grind out my 90-hour work weeks, uh, I was gonna work hard, play hard, and Manhattan was gonna be in my future. I ended up waking up one morning in the spring and said, The hell with this, you know, how do I get to working in Vegas? Uh wasn't quite sure how it was ultimately gonna happen. Moved back home with my parents for the first time and God, since I was 16. So, you know, six years essentially was bartending, just trying to figure out exactly where my career was going to go. Ended up finding a financial analyst gig with Caesars and said, I'll figure out the rest ultimately when I get out here. And uh, again, I count my lucky stars for the people I've met, some of the mentors I've had in the space that have given me the opportunity to kind of forge the path that I have uh, and wouldn't trade, honestly, any of it, you know, for the world.
1: Okay. So you got into the financial analyst part of it first. How yep, does the, one migrate from that <laughs> to the sports book, which is a different – I mean, it's numbers, but it's a vastly different world, financial right? analyst's uh, floor yep. sports book. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a great question, honestly. I mean, I got into finance, was doing special events, analyzing slot tournaments, trying to figure out how to reinvent the gaming floor, where we needed to put slot machines, where there enough blackjack tables. And I think, you know, the running joke I have – with some of my colleagues back then, and my lasting legacy as a financial analyst will be the influx of six to five blackjack that we tried to push throughout Caesars Entertainment. Because what we found then was that people wanted a blackjack game that they deem more affordable. They could care less about the rules. So they'd rather play six to five blackjack at $10 tables than get good rules and play it three to two. Um, ultimately, I try to push to get myself into the sports book. Uh, and Chuck Esposito, who was running race and sports there as the VP, you know, kind of took a liking to me, gave me the opportunity to spend my weekends down there asking stupid questions, trying to figure out how the betting markets work, learning to book to faces. And honestly, if he hadn't opened his doors and kind of rolled out the red carpet uh, and dealt with me very patiently on a lot of those Saturdays and Sundays, I probably wouldn't have been able to establish the foundation. So I thank him. Uh, I think Cindy Gantz, who's still in the industry, Mark Fatino, who I believe now is working for Bet Fred, I mean, that was kind of the initial family until I could ultimately figure out how to get down there with a paid job. And it took me a full three years to go from financial analyst uh, into working as a race and sports supervisor.
3: Cindy Gunts name drop. That's my girl.
0: <laughs> Cindy was great. Cindy taught me an awful lot about the industry and the kind of things you couldn't learn in textbooks. So I'll always have a debt of gratitude <laughs> to Cindy
3: That makes um, sense.
0: For, for learning the name names and faces uh, as it pertained to the business. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, so you've been around it then and the an age you just said, have been around the business for a long time. We just had Chuck on the show last week, actually. Um, and he, you know, talked about, you know, being off all that time. We were yep. just off and, and how the industry's changed a little bit. So that was an interesting perspective. Um, so you go, you don't, you never wrote tickets. Nope, never wrote tickets. Uh, oh, only, no, no. Oh, only do You do
3: not write tickets. Todd <laughs> <laughs> <We> to <haven't laughs> no write like tickets. Only,
0: only learned how to troubleshoot the machines <laughs> from time to time. But you know, you guys laugh. Honestly, there were a lot of ticket writers that we had that were real old school who didn't take you know what I did seriously because I hadn't put my time into the trenches. Right. Didn't, didn't learn some of that stuff. So I had to work twice as hard to show them, hey, look, I openly admit I don't know what their job was like on a day-to-day but I was going to be the support system. I was going to try and teach them as much as I could about sports and kind of crunch the numbers and learn the markets. But yes, I never wrote a ticket. So I often joke that, you know, once I'm able to retire from this industry, you know, sometime in my early to mid sixties, I'm going to come full circle and be back there, writing tickets, working for Mo knowing that Mo is going to work about 20 hour work weeks because he's too busy doing other stuff.
3: Too many Wait. hours. And those are the golden years for you. So I'll mark that down.
0: I, I appreciate that. that. Just you. keep a slot open for me. When I'm ready to retire, I'm willing to come work for you. Whatever book you're at anywhere <laughs> in town. That, that's at least double the hours
2: that
3: Matoya is working right now. So that's, that's, a, that's Well, not one. legitimate. None of those are legitimate hours. Oh. So Wait, I mean, Alan,
0: Alan, oh. you can't multiply. Alan, let's be honest. You can't multiply times zero. You still get zero. So <laughs> double, triple, hundred times, 500 times. That's, 500 that's times. a low blow. It's all going to come back to zero.
3: I don't know how to multiply.
0: Uh, That doesn't shock me
1: either. (laughs) (laughs) The math lesson. We've both seen your college football numbers. Oh, man. We'll get to that. So you get out of the book, Rod, and you get media gigs. Like, what's that transition? Because it first started with, what, Race Hub, and you were doing race stuff? Because now, I mean, when we get to the end here, this Fox Bet Live show, superstar, big media personality. We'll get to that last but where did how did you get from supervising ticket writers and talking about sports and you know telling people no smoking and no phones in the book (laughs) to now you're on tv talking about at least nascar
0: yeah well you mentioned chuck i mean chuck uh, ultimately left caesars to take an opportunity at fountain blue and thought forever that hey i was going to go over there uh and that we were going to be able to build that book into something truly special obviously we know circumstances didn't arise and allow that to happen so Caesars at that point needed somebody to kind of hand, from, to hand the baton to uh, in terms of radio opportunities and everything else. And I was real wet behind the ears, didn't know exactly what I was doing, made plenty of mistakes, said a myriad of things that I probably shouldn't have said publicly, uh, but did that and then actually left Caesars right before a football season and took a six month consulting gig with Don Best. And so uh, Benji Cherniak brought me in over there. They were doing a lot of content, white label stuff for some of the sports books, both in the Caribbean uh, and around the world, and said, hey, we need somebody that kind of speaks the language. They threw me into the deep end, uh, and I worked closely with Brian Blessing, Kenny White, to do a lot of those videos as an analyst, kind of learned the hosting role. And it was right about that time, which would have been 2013, 2014, where Fox Sports 1 launched. And they kind of said, hey, look, we're looking to try and figure out how we can integrate gambling content into our telecast. Uh, and I'd been working with Clay Travis for a little while, doing some radio in Nashville. Clay was one of the personalities they brought on. He said, hey, look, go talk to my guy, Todd. You know, there's nobody better for this kind of opportunity. And so we started, and I'll never forget, the first Friday night, Dave, I flew out to LA. I mean, they were paying me peanuts. I think it cost me more money to park my car at McCarran and to pay for <laughs> dinner at LAX. And it was, so it was a net negative. <laughs> We go out there, we're talking college football betting, we're talking NFL, and I'm going, you know what? This stuff's great. I'm getting the hang of it. By Saturday morning, the NFL had sent Fox a cease and desist letter that, hey, you're not going to talk gambling around our games uh, as one of our network partners. So we switched our content, became college football only, did that for a full season, uh, and then you mentioned Race Hub, was sitting in the Sports Sportsbook with a couple of Fox executives for the NASCAR awards, you know, sh- you know just talking, shooting the breeze, having drinks. And they go, does anybody bet on NASCAR? I said, well, it's funny that you mention it. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways to do it. One thing led to another. They said, Hey, let's try and do NASCAR gambling stuff. Cause nobody else is talking about it. And I, as irony would have it, that's the longest running show I've been a part of uh, at FS one race hub for the last five years or so, because NASCAR understood that, Hey, look, we don't need to have the same governing body. We don't need to adhere to some of the same principles, any publicity we can create for our sport health. Uh, and it's really taught me an awful lot about the sport. Uh, and my running joke was, I mean, I grew up in Chicago uh, in a middle-class Jewish household, and I somehow became a redneck going to school in New England, developed a love for country music and betting the races. My mom says she doesn't know what happened to me that ultimately brought me a full 180. up. But I wouldn't trade NASCAR for anything. I just wish they could, wouldn't keep screwing with the rules package because it's getting harder and harder to bet the damn sport than it was two or three years ago.
1: It is, and it's getting harder and harder to explain it to novices about betting. It It was just, you know, I like the expansion of markets. Yep. Picking first, second, third, and the matchups are great and stuff. But when you have to explain why there's unofficial results and somebody missed. Oh, you like.
0: You want to talk about unofficial results, Uh, of course. I feel like it's Murphy's Law when it comes to sports betting. I like to think that I was one of the only people that had Ross Chastain at 30-1 to that I bet at Westgate that they had to overturn when he won the truck race. I thought I'd hit the mother load, ended up taking a nap, wake up 90 minutes later and find out, hey, look, NASCAR finally decided they're going to overturn a winner. It was the one time in the last couple of years I'd gone, man, I really wish I'd bet this truck race offshore so they would have honored my damn ticket.
2: Yeah. Once, once you go to sleep, everything bad happens. It's guaranteed. Uh, <laughs> that
0: that may be, yeah, that hey, may be subject matter for a different podcast, boys. I'm a little bit concerned <laughs> about the deep, dark past and recesses oh, that you guys are about to delve into here.
1: Yeah, you know that, that, that you'll have, That's it. Um, yeah, these guys are still living that life. Todd, sleep is bad.
0: I'm jealous. Hey, Dave, you and I are jealous. I mean, I'm not completely out of the game. Uh, but approaching 40 with a serious relationship after three years, I'm jealous of what these guys are able to do on a night-in, night-out basis. Hang out till 4 or 5 in the morning. Come rolling into the book to open the thing up first thing in the morning. I'm jealous. I, don't I be jealous. There's
3: no anymore. way to live. Do not be <laughs> jealous, my friend.
1: It's, it's, it's a hard <laughs> life. But We're they all looking
3: it. for different things. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even explain it. So that's a different show.
1: Yeah, uh, I, is- I was going to say – that's right be before we get there. <laughs> so before we get to some other questions here, so you go you're doing this, and this lock it in, we'll call it, because that's what it was originally called until the, the pandemic hit and you guys what? came back as Fox Bet Live. But um, so you were hanging around, you were doing all this stuff, and then they go, we're going to take three of you guys and put Rachel with you, and you guys are going to talk sports in lines every day. With the cease and desist letter not that long ago.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, once there was a repeal of PASPA, we all knew that the floodgates were going to open. It was just a question of which network is going to be first to market and how they're going to do it better, how they're going to do it smarter, and try and make sports betting relatable. And for that, I have to give the utmost credit to my now boss, you know, Charlie Dixon at Fox, who kind of said, I want this show to be what he defined as a good hang essentially people sitting at a blackjack table, more or less eavesdropping. He said, I don't want it to be too technical. He said, I don't need you to go into advanced analytics and try and confuse the audience. I want you to basically take all the stuff, you know, make it easily relatable. uh, So people can begin to view sports through a different lens. The crazy part about it is I knew that Clay and I were going to be a part of the show, but we had no idea that cousin Sal was going to be on there or that Rachel Bonetta was going to be our host up till the 23rd hour. And we sat down and did our first table read, I believe 10 days before the show went live. And honestly, after two seasons, now basically embarking on our third, uh, I couldn't ask to be part uh, of a more enjoyable show on a day to day. The four of us genuinely get along and when we do have a chance to hang out. I mean, we'll go out to bars and restaurants in LA. It's great we've done the live shows in Vegas at MGM season one or the stuff down in South Florida uh, for Super Bowl last year. uh, That we couldn't ask for a better setup. Uh, I would ask for better results from season two, but since that's been stricken from the record book, I like to pretend that didn't happen. And I'm officially the only champion the show has ever seen, despite a performance that would only make Mo jealous that I put forth in season two. (laughs) Every
3: time I see you on there, I'm just like, this guy doesn't know anything. I know this. Hey,
0: you know what? You should feel that way. I mean, you could have put a blind monkey on there to pick games at a better clip than what I was putting forth in season two. Every NASCAR winner, I bet, finished second or third. Every guy who would pick to finish top 20 in a golf tournament would drop a meaningless stroke on the 72nd hole of the weekend. It really was what could go wrong did go wrong. And the way I look at it, the universe didn't like that. And that's why I decided to erase that record from the annals of uh, Lock It In, now Fox Bet Live history.
2: I like your style. He's That's my style. He's responsible for all of this.
1: 2020. That's it. it Why, does that Herman, Why does that, that not shock me? Why does that not
0: shock me in the least?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the men in black forget thing where you just push it <laughs> and it's gone. But before we move on to actual sports talk, I got to speak with someone named Royce Dickerson, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's a producer of Fox uh, Bet Live, and yep. I'm going to mention that, one, He gave me a couple lists of questions that maybe you would want to answer, maybe you wouldn't. So I'm going to ask them anyway. (laughs) And the first one was, what the hell happened to you in season two? How could you lose to Clay Travis when you're the damn expert? You know, it's a great question.
0: And you know it's funny? I mean, social media doesn't let you forget anything. And it's not like I shoot for my performance. I openly embrace it. When you pick games like an idiot, you deserve all the abuse that comes with the territory. Uh, but the reality of it was, those guys hit more money line parlays than I've ever seen in my entire life to try and get there. To Clay's credit, he had LSU to win the national championship. You know, oh cousin God. Sal was able to find his groove. And I like to just think I was trying to level the playing field that I had left myself when the pandemic struck in the middle of March. Enough months for a Herculean type comeback, uh, knowing that we're able to bank some futures. If Tampa Bay had ultimately won the Stanley Cup, which they still might. The Ohio State Buckeyes could have been a Cinderella story to come cut down the nets and win the NCAA championship. Uh, but I just didn't want to blow everybody away. I mean, I feel like season one was anticlimactic because I was able to go in a Usain bolt after sixty meters and, and coast to the finish line. So I needed to spice things up a little bit, but but honestly. I wish that was the case. I should just lower my head in shame and feel embarrassed. <laughs> for a better no, just
2: season. deny. Just deny. That, that's my type of move.
1: Yeah, that's I, the I, only I, way to go, I,
0: man, especially I, in this business. Better drink more, one of the two, right? I, well, yeah, it's, it's
3: both. Well, drinking, drinking, denying. Oh, you, the
1: you got their whole playbook right here. You, you got the whole playbook. You guys were all trained together. I like it. Um,
3: it's the business.
1: Why do they call you the robot?
0: <laughs> well, you know what's funny? If you look over my shoulder, I mean I have an actual robot patent oh, now. No fucking that, way. That's <laughs> that was no, boss for me. Yeah, my, girl, my girlfriend gave me my that gift on our two-year anniversary. She says, you know what? When you redo your office, you have to put that up. And so unfortunately, you can't see the whole picture, uh, but it's not lost on me. Honestly, Dave, it's probably for the season one performance. I mean, I was an encyclopedia of facts and figures, I was able to get the best of the number all the time, and, and I joke. That I can't remember names and faces of people I've met. I can't remember dates. I can't remember anniversaries, any of that stuff. But sports facts have always been one of those things that just stick. Uh, I wish, though, I had the same memory at 38 that I did at 25. Uh, it's amazing. I never believe people. They say, you get older, you're going to forget some of the stuff. You always remember your bad beats. It seems to be funny how uh, the human psyche
3: works when it comes to sports betting. So that's a fact right there. It only
1: gets worse, Todd. I can just tell you that as I'm approaching 50, uh, the memory only gets worse. And- 50 is the new 60. Thank you.
3: Yeah, uh, my bad. No, I'm. I'm totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, ten. You're supposed right. to that take.
1: That It seemed like it Math was. Is still not Mo's strong suit. Thank <laughs> you. He got. He got so excited and then he no, was like, what? "Wait." Yeah, yeah like the sound lagged <laughs> into <laughs> the the joke
3: lagged into that.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mo. So the other thing that Royce told me to mention to you was he said that you, he thinks you weigh about a buck fifty five, and you eat more than is humanly possible for someone your weight (laughs) despite being a food snob what is the deal with the food snob despite having an appetite of a horse
0: you you know what the food snob part is something that I developed over time and as I've gotten older I spend more and more time researching diet uh, and a lot of the things to try and stay healthy I give Royce credit though because I was at 155 pre-pandemic but as soon as the gym shut down Mo, look that up. It's spelled G-Y-M. You might want to try and check one of you those said, out.
3: I think you said so, J-I-M. You're talking about a man, a person. <laughs> hey,
0: hey, not that there's anything wrong with that. But we once go. the once the pandemic hit, you <laughs> didn't have a chance to really do any lifting. So I've been shedding the pounds, got the cardio where it needed to be. If I jumped on the scale right now, I'd probably be about a buck forty-seven. But, you know, hey, you got to take advantage when they put good food in front of you and Fox rolls out the buffet, you bet your bottom dollar I'm going to eat as much as I can in that company dime to make up for season one of Fox Sports Live. When I, like I told you guys, I was a net negative by the time I had to park my car and pay for my own dinner at LAX. <laughs> oh, man,
1: last question for me before I let the boys have one or two at you. When is the last time you put the pads on?
0: Oh, that's actually a great question. And honestly, the last time I put my pads on – was been the end of my junior year. It would have been a game. I'm trying to think who we played that final weekend at Wesleyan. It was either Tufts or Con College. I dressed the set, the Friday night. I didn't dress for Saturday, and I haven't stopped a puck since then. So I would have been 22. So we're going on, you know, 16 plus years. But the crazy the crazy part about it though, I still have all the gear in the garage. I still have the goalie helmet with the cardinal breaking through the brick wall. As cliche as that is, with the paint chipped off. But it's one of those things that once you get the gear off and you realize the reflexes aren't the same, do I really want to go out there and let people fire slap shots at my dome? I take enough shots on Twitter. That's good enough at this point. (laughs)
1: All right. That was was ultimately my question is if we could hook it up because I played club at Penn State a lot earlier than you did. But I would love if you had – the time to put the pads on and maybe let me fire a slap shot or two at you just to see if you, you can know, stop it. Honestly
0: Dave, honestly, Dave, I'm not even sure if I remember how to skate. I am not. I don't think I could <laughs> shuffle right and left once I put the pads on. I might be more inclined to throw some shoes on, go a little street hockey, or Fair throw on some rollerblades, and maybe we can find a building, you know, the roof of a convenience store, and we, cre- we can recreate the scene out of Clerks to make <laughs> it look like it's shot in black and right and really have some fun with it.
1: There you go. That's that's perfect. I'm all, I'm all for that. We can maybe hook that up down the road. In the meantime, yeah, um, we're not going to worry about putting the pads on. Did you wear the (laughs) towel and have your hair perfect as the backup on the bench? No, I was a
0: guy that went with the uh, hat. So I would always try and th- – I was trying to toss the hat on. Okay. But I, but I did used to smuggle out Sour Patch Kids in my pads for games I knew I wasn't going to play. Respect. So so I would have the pa- the Sour Patch Kids there. And I would also try and be one of the first guys back to the locker room so I could get sports scores between periods, knowing that I was sweating the action on Fridays <laughs> and Saturdays.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sick so, maniac.
0: You know, I had to make sure that I was sitting pretty in, in that particular regard. But I couldn't go with the towel – Coach had me in the penalty box, and I think my greatest contribution to Wesleyan hockey outside the one win I have to my credit was always trying to get my guys that secondary helper. You know, whisper in their ear, trying to go, hey, you know, 27 had the second assist there. Take advantage of that hometown scoring inflate those stats any way you could.
1: Excellent. Uh, A.B., what do you got here for for, uh, for Todd? Uh,
2: Well, you know, Todd, uh, we go back through the Caesars uh, family here, and, uh, you know (laughs) – I, I was talking to Dave, you know, and he was hitting me up and said, uh, hey, you know, we're going to have the uh, the star of Fox Bet Live. And you can imagine my disappointment when Clay I wasn't. It.
0: Cla- I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Well played. I knew where it was going and it got there. So you get a golf clap for that, Alan. I appreciate that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I love you, man. Uh, thanks for doing the show. Uh, you're doing a great job. It's actually one of the better shows that we see out there in the mainstream. Uh, when I'm listening to my man Chuck Barkley talk about uh, the jazz, why are the jazz a dog? I'm like losing my mind. And then, and then Kenny Smith falls up with, he'd be a millionaire. And I'm like, Oh, we got a long way to go.
0: <laughs> you know what? Uh, hey, I appreciate it. And that's the one thing, you know, we draw a lot of criticism. There's no doubt uh, for what we've done on Fox for the first two years, but I think people that watch it and they're expecting us to go into the X's and O's us to talk about, you know, everything that goes on in the race and sports, but that's never been our goal. That's never been the target audience. It's never what the show is ultimately going to be about. Uh, And and I think people that have that kind of expectation that think we're going to go out there and hit some ridiculous percentage for games. I mean, the network wants us to pick games people are going to watch. I got to fight tooth and nail sometimes with Royce. They go, hey, I want to pick golf top 20s or I want to bet exhibition hockey. So it's one of those things. It's always trying to find that, that fine balance. And ultimately, if we can get more eyes on sports gambling and get people to feel comfortable with the terminology getting to come out and visit the books here in other states where it continues to expand. I mean, that's ultimately the name of the game because I like to think from you guys that work your tails off behind the counter to the ticket writers, to those folks that have come before us, anything we can do in media to cast a brighter light on sports betting is only going to help the entire industry as a whole and hopefully ultimately hit the bottom line and allow us all to make more money as the space continues to grow and expand.
3: Well said, my man. That well said. Ended it on finances. Yeah. Man.
2: Well, that's the background. That and the that and the sour patch kids. I don't have much. Okay.
1: Yeah, the sour have...
0: patch kids thing, I might not be able to let get out. It might hurt my street cred the little bit I had left <laughs> for my former Wesleyan teammates. So, my only, you might need to edit that out, but uh, I don't think they're listening. Todd, that you haven't worn
1: the pads in 16 years. A good Nobody point. this
0: Stat- the statute of limitations has long since worn off. I like oh, I like.
1: the pads. At.
3: That's it. Mo, what do you got? Todd, before it's all said and done, obviously, we don't know if college football is coming back. For people like me and you, we would want it or we're going to die, I would assume. Uh, so just for, you know, uh, bragging rights, we could do money off air, whatever. But we <laughs> should uh, have a handicap, handicap contest of uh, just group of five colleges that are still alive if they're playing. Uh, you know, maybe just one game a week and then just post it on Twitter and figure it out just between me and yourself. What do you think?
0: No, we can uh, we can discuss the possibility for that. I feel like in that kind of contest, Mo, you're setting me up for failure because exactly. I have absolutely, I have absolutely <laughs> nothing. exactly to, right. Yeah. I have nothing to gain by beating you, but I have everything to lose by losing to you. So, so that's what I call kind of a zero sum game in the grand scheme of things. The better idea is if you just submit your picks, we keep tabs. I actually bet your games, and if you don't turn a profit for me at the end of football season, Alan gets to slap you. One time for each position that you've cost me money. So at least the worst case scenario, you can only be slapped, you know, eight or nine times if you go out one nine. I, I'm in favor
3: of this. Okay. Of course you are. Number one, but you think too quick. I figured you're just going to be like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But we'll, we'll go over the details. I need to renegotiate, but that sounds like a deal. At some point, that's going to be a deal.
0: I will give you credit, though. I mean, you'd come in there, uh, you know, in the middle of the week, you'd have your Mac power numbers ready to roll. Uh, And there was only one guy in that Caesars book at the time, no offense to Alan or Jeff or any of the other guys uh, that were behind the counter, that was trying to test me to see if I knew the third-string quarterback was for Ball State on a Tuesday (laughs) night. I looked him in the face and said, honestly, I have absolutely no clue you got me stumped here. The problem with all this was, though, as Alan can attest to, Dave, it still didn't allow Mo to make any money on these shit! I mean, he still couldn't figure out how to try and quantify the impact, which I'm not sure was good or bad. He might have been able to go and stump the Schwab or win some stupid version to sports <laughs> jeopardy. But it sure as hell wasn't him helping him make money at the window because he didn't understand the value of that particular player to the point spread.
3: <laughs> oh, you got him! I can't even work. look at this hold guy. On, on, I, gotta, I go, can't
1: look at this man in the face. I gotta go get a shovel. Hold <laughs> <on>. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, we're gonna have to dig Mo out of that one. That was excellent work, right there, Todd. That was too excellent good. No, oh,
3: no, that was too good. He's right. It sucks because he's right. That's why I'm hurt.
1: <laughs> I would have been laughing
3: more if it was wrong. I know that much right now. Oh
1: shit! Oh, uh, so. I mean, that's good stuff, man. Again, thanks for joining the show. But of course. Let, let, let's get to some some actual sports. Today's the start of the NBA. And, I mean, you guys do a great job on the show. And, you know, we, we, we get the odds. You guys get the odds from Fox. But, but they, you kind of have an idea of what the odds are and stuff. NBA, what are you looking at each conference? Give me maybe two teams east, two teams west. And, and where you think maybe this is going to end up in the finals?
0: You know, honestly, it's so easy to pick the chalk. I mean, we know about the three prohibited favorites out there, the Bucks in the East, and of course the Lakers and Clippers in the West. Uh, I've been on the Clippers bandwagon probably longer than I should have. I wouldn't run to advise a wager on the Clippers now, given how short their futures prices are. I think, honestly, a Moneyline rollover, if seeds were to hold, would probably pay a little bit better I do think the Clippers get a huge edge by not having to play a potential seven true road games if they were to meet the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, we'll see how they hold up tonight against the Lake Show a little bit later. Uh, but when you look at this team top to bottom, I mean, they, have, they go 10-D. deep. I mean, if, assuming Lou Williams and Montres Harrell join the team, you have so many guys that have been around the block. Whether it's a guy like Reggie Jackson, who nobody thought of at the time they picked him up. You bring in some toughness in Marcus Morris. We know what Paul George and Kawhi Leonard bring to the table. I mean, there's a reason that they're 24-8 and with those two guys in the lineup and 20-12 and against the number, that they almost feel like they have another gear that nobody else can match. But when you're looking at the Eastern Conference, I I can't buy the bucks. Not at the current price, so it leads you further down the list. And I think there's two teams that it's not rocket science by any stretch of the imagination, the Celtics being one, knowing that Brad Stevens should be able to whip up game plans Jason Tatum's an emerging superstar. Uh, and I like the fact that this team can beat you in a variety of ways. We'll see ultimately how much time Gordon Hayward were to miss, though, with the birth of his child, which I know is lurking in early August. And, and then the team that I think has been everybody's kryptonite, because you power rate them one way and they fail to live up to those expectations on a nightly basis, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I mean, 29-2 and two at home, 10-24 and 24 when they go out on the road. Let's see if the bubble is the perfect environment that Brett Brown can show that he's not incompetent as a head coach, since I really believe he's coaching for longevity. Maybe the move of Ben Simmons to power forward pays dividends. Uh, but this is a team that's got veterans. They have youth and they have all the talent in the world if they're able to put it together. So from a value perspective, those would be two teams I'd look at at the East because I think both of them are going to give the Bucks all they can handle and then some if that's ultimately what
1: we see in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's a great breakdown uh, I'm impressed you are a robot those numbers are right there just flying you got point spread numbers in your head and they haven't played a game in five months or whatever it's been so that's pretty good stuff um, uh, as far as maybe NHL and, and now that I know that you know you grew up playing a game went the school playing a game do you do you look to bet hockey one and two What do you expect from, like, the bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton?
0: Yeah, I do bet hockey. Not a ton during the regular season. Um, You know, I pick my spots here and there. Obviously pick a lot more uh, on the TV show because I'm not a huge NBA guy typically during the dog days of the season. Uh, But when you look at the way the bubble will play out, I think there are a couple interesting teams. Uh, I think what's going to be fascinating is to see how these teams respond. You get one, you know, game speed scrimmage uh, before you have to step right into that five – 12 qualification round for those teams where if you play two bad games in a row, suddenly you're on the brink. So I think the teams, the top four seeds in both the East and the West, have a chance to get their sea legs under them, run three or four lines together and allow the goalies to see some game action. Uh, I was big on the avalanche coming into the season. I see real, no real reason to kind of waver uh, on them. I know the price isn't the best at eight to one where you could have had 25 to one earlier this year. If you shopped around out here in the desert, Uh, But I think when you look at a team that benefited immensely from the layoff, uh, they have three guys that aren't household names, uh, Nathan McKinnon maybe, but Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen that are going to be extremely difficult for teams in the West to contain. Philip Grubauer, in my opinion, becomes the X factor. If he can play well between the pipes, they become the team to beat. Uh, If you're looking further down the board in the West, I'm not going to make a case for our beloved Golden Knights. I'm not going to make a case for the defending cup champions. But I think a team like the Nashville Predators uh, would be one that I would watch. I know goaltending was a major question mark during the year. Pecorine came into the season as a starter. We thought he was going to be the guy, but UC Saro stole a little bit of his thunder. This is a team that's been here, done that. They have a number of veterans, and I think if they click 20-1, to more or less the prevailing consensus on the West, I wouldn't be afraid to take a flyer there. Uh, And as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned, you could throw a blanket over the top four seeds. I don't think anybody's a cut above. Maybe Tampa tasting their blood from – Postseason that went awry last year, getting swept by the Blue Jackets finally puts it all together. Uh, If you see the best from Andre Vasilevsky between the pipes. Uh, But I would explore Carolina. Uh, And I know the Rangers have been the it team, or they were before the shutdown. Uh, But this is a Hurricanes team that we forget got to the Eastern Conference Finals before getting swept out by Boston. They get healthier on the blue line. Sammy Votnin should be back. Dougie Hamilton. We'll see how healthy both of those guys are. Uh, But you look at their numbers, they've fallen all season long. Uh, and I think Carolina, if you're looking for a bit of a Cinderella story, I uh, like Rod Brindamore's style. He holds all his guys accountable. If they get through the Rangers, watch out. I think Carolina can do some damage in the East.
1: Man, that's an excellent summary from a, a hockey guy. Herman's um, still a criminal.
3: I don't care how many stats he knows.
0: I I haven't forgot
3: that you're a criminal, man.
1: Deflect, 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 Mo. Deflect, 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 my friend. Just like a goalie. (laughs) A save, and another save and a butte. Um, Yeah, no, the the East is uh, is really interesting, and it's – I can't wait for it to start. Out here in the desert – I mean, you're in Vegas. You you live in Vegas. We're going to have hockey from morning until night. It, you know what?
0: betters' dream. It's going to be incredible, Dave. And I, and I joked about it earlier on a radio interview I did with the folks in Nashville. You know, hopefully we get that U.S. Open type feel. You know, if we get a game in prime time that goes to triple or quadruple overtime, we could have a puck drop in Edmonton that starts at 10 o'clock local time. You know, Mo will be just be coming in from drinking on his front porch. So he'll be able to watch a third period of a hockey game. I'll have action uh, on that and, game, by the way. You know, <laughs> I'll have course, action there. You'll have seven live bets at some yeah, point throughout eight, the course of the game. <laughs> I so won't tell anybody I lost, bets. though. My style. <laughs> but uh, I think it'll be great. I have to give the NHL credit. We would have loved to have Vegas as one of the bubbles. Uh, unfortunately, circumstances didn't allow for that. Uh, so they were fluid. I mean, they moved it, the teams up to Canada to take care of things in Edmonton and Toronto. And I think it'll be fascinating to see what we get uh, from the league. We can only hope that superstars stay healthy and that everybody gets a chance to watch hockey. What I define as the greatest playoff in all of sports, the level of intensity these guys bring night in, night out.
1: Absolutely. Um, before we get out of here, I just want to give you a chance to kind of plug the Bet the Board podcast. Dude, I listened to it. I don't know if Payne likes you. If he doesn't like you, if, if, if he's just cranky Incredible. all the time, I'm not sure. I mean, I like him, and I like a lot of the stuff he says. You guys banter back and forth is good, and the opening to the show is electric. I got to whoever put that together, full props. The opening to the show of people. If you haven't listened to it, go find it. It's called Bet the Board. Todd, tell everybody about the podcast. You
0: know what? Uh, It's funny that you mentioned the opening. I can't tell you how many clips the two of us had to go through to try and figure out what was ultimately going to make it and not get left on the cutting room floor. And people ask all the time, oh, are you going to try and spice up the intro or mix it up? You know, if it's not broke, why fix it? Uh, I mean, I can compare myself to most favorite show in Dawson's Creek. The music's iconic for a reason. And it stays I told you that such. in secrecy, by that, the way. And as so soon that's as awesome anybody hears I, I love that show. Full disclosure. I mean, when I, it was the reruns were on TBS, 10 to 11 Eastern. When I didn't have class back in college, I try and watch my fill here. Everyone had a soft spot. That's uh, fair. For, I'm okay with that. Let's not kid ourselves.
3: I'm not mad at you. <laughs> and
0: so the podcast is great. I mean, Payne uh, comes off a little bit surly, but I love the guy. And trust me, it all depends on the day. There's days where we love each other, there's days where we hate each other. Uh, but we joke that you know a lot of the great athletes in sports only need one name, and I say the same thing about sports betting. There's nobody that works harder day in, day out, digging into some of the numbers, being a perfect complement. My job's easy. I come out there and try and treat it like I'm John Stockton. I throw the ball to the rim, and Payne's right there like a Karl Malone. Hopefully, we'll win more championships in the Jazz U, so that's probably not the best. You know, Point guard, power forward, uh, you know, parallel I can create. Uh, But we love it. And I think the one thing about the show, Dave, is people always ask, you know, we'll go through and it probably takes us, you know, 10 to 15 hours to produce one hour of content. You know, I'll send an outline of pain about 20 minutes before the show. So he has no idea where we're going and we kind of play off each other. So what you see is completely unscripted. We want to try and make sports betting as accessible as we possibly can. We know it's not for everybody when we try and dive into it. But our goal is to give people, after an hour's worth of content, at least one or two nuggets so the Moes of the world can go to the water cooler, they can go into the office, they can steal your stuff, pawn it off as their own, and people think they're a lot smarter than they really are. That's why we're
3: all still broke, Todd, so (laughs) you might want to just continue to work on that. You know what,
0: You know what, Mo? if you blindly bet the best bet we've given out on the podcast since we started five-plus years ago, you'd be hitting it about a 54%, 55% clip. That's why it's kind of a one-stop shop, but we love it. Uh, And honestly, uh, we have to thank all of our listeners out there that have made the podcast what it is. If it wasn't for them tuning in week in, week out, offering us feedback, we probably would have stopped it because we started doing the damn thing with tin cans and recording on a program called Go To Meeting. Uh, And now we've tried to ramp up uh, the operations and hopefully, you know, the next iteration allows us to be a lot more creative, but it's a labor of love Uh, and appreciate you guys giving me the chance to kind of plug it and ramble aimlessly uh, about what we've been able to create.
2: As long as you're ripping on Mo, I'm completely okay with
3: anything you're saying. Todd thinks can- too quick. I didn't really have this in his bag, but he's, a very, he's very quick on it too, so I do appreciate that.
0: You no, know, we, we can keep going. I mean, if yeah. you guys
1: want, we can keep ripping on Mo if you want. <laughs> he's bringing the water out. No, we can, we can do it. At some point, it's- it does become abuse. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just lighting me up. He's just you know, lighting what? me up.
3: This is fine.
1: This you know is what's he, he's raising his hand right now. I need a line change. The, the <laughs> thing about it, <laughs> the thing about it, honestly,
0: Reynolds, is that Mo is the, that boxer that you know has a 500 career record, but he keeps taking the paydays to walk into the ring. So you don't feel so bad because if he really felt bad for himself, you know, he'd go, you know what, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm done, and I'm not getting back out there to fight anymore. But Mo knows no better. He gets out there, he gets himself beat up. Uh, we can only hope that that thing that he's got working between his ears ultimately functions for another couple of years.
3: Todd's been writing these jokes since the first time he met me. He said, I know.
0: <laughs> exactly how I thought. Our he said, I need, cross I need to hit him with my best shots. The
3: road. These are your best shots. I know it is. So when you we do. You sh- figured out, Mo. Future, I'm coming after you, my man.
1: I'm coming after you, Todd. Well, Mo's going with the, uh, the Homer. Di- I Homer know he wrote him back. down. He said, no, I got to get after this guy quick. <laughs> <laughs> Did this show go on at the counter at Caesars?
0: You know, honestly, Dave, they wouldn't let me be there down the weekends because they know how to made Mo look so bad when he was trying to move numbers. And he didn't need any help moving things slower. I mean, I there, were top- run- there were runners out there that were licking their chops when Mo was back there because they knew exactly what hours the day he was going to be there. And as soon as Allen and the other sharp guys left, they went, oh, you know, there'll be a steam move that shows up. It's going to take most 17 minutes to move that number. So we're going to bleed in $250 a pop and try and create five-figure liability before he even knew what hit him.
2: He was busy sweating Phillies Pirates' yes-no first inning when that steam move came. I think I
3: convinced Todd on, like, three or four Conference USA totals, and he quit from Caesars. He was like, (laughs) nah, I think I'm going to find a better job at Fox at uh, Lock It In. I met a guy named Cousin Sal. I think I'm
0: good. Hey, I I love my time there. Honestly, working with you guys and seeing what you guys built uh, from a sports book uh, that was an afterthought in the grand scheme of things is truly a credit uh, to everything you've done. I mean, I was there years ago. There was a reason that I left and it's not really worth getting into it because I didn't think Caesars had the vision. Well, Caesars didn't, I think, had the vision of being a player in the sports betting space uh, and what you guys were able to accomplish over the last couple of years. I know Kevin Fulmer real well uh, as well. That, that it was a credit and it's going to be a shame ultimately as we continue to see more consolidation in the space and you don't have operators that are doing things differently, doing things outside the box, trying to create some unique markets. So uh, for as much as I pick on you, Mo, Alan, you didn't have to bear the brunt of it. Uh, I tip my hat to you guys, Jeff Davis and the rest of the guys uh, whose names I'm not going to remember right now. So
1: <laughs> last question uh, regarding the industry was, you know, bringing all this stuff to the forefront in the media is great. And I think, uh, you know, we enjoy doing this show as much or more than actually probably doing the job at the book and doing, you know, cause it's, it is a grind. Yep. And this has, uh, I mean, it can't be a grind, but it's a lot more fun. And, and it's like you said, kind of sitting around talking, eavesdropping, whatever, giving each other shit and having fun. The future of the industry for guys that have been around it for a long time like us. I know I have my thoughts. AB has his. Mo is, has no thoughts. So we don't I'm even thinking about it. Nothing for you. We don't want Mo thinking. But where do you think this is all going? You just mentioned consolidation. That's the tip of the iceberg maybe. Yeah. I think the
0: industry is going to look a lot different three to five years down the road. We know who the big players are in the space. Uh, we know the dollars that they have to spend uh, and the way that they're going about going about trying to acquire customers. So when you look at the way sports betting looks, uh, as we sit here late July, 2020, if we were to have the same discussion five years down the road, I think it'll look a lot different. And ultimately I think there's going to be a space to do things in a variety of ways. You're going to have some books out there that are going to go low margins. They're going to go lower hold that want to cater to the sharp guys. You're going to have books that continue to operate, looking to try and deal to recreational customers, offering them all sorts of bonuses. And I think for me, when I look at it, Uh, And I use a big word. So Mo, if you have to look it up, I'll understand if you pull out your mobile phone, the sports betting ecosystem, I think there's a way for all of these different type of operations to coexist. And Hey, I've been in the same spot. You guys have, there's some books that don't want my business, but having been on the other side of the counter, I understand that. And oftentimes things roll downhill. I just wish books would be transparent uh, rather than saying, Hey, we'll take big bets from everybody. And then ultimately giving you 50 or hundred bucks As long as you're open and honest, I have no fault in the way books choose to do business. I just don't like the fact that they kind of, you know, operate in a little bit of a discreet manner. They're not forthright in sharing how they want to try and book. Uh, And I actually wrote an article uh, on our bet the board website talking about, you know, seven to eight things I would do if someone were to be nominated as a de facto sports betting president. And I think the first thing that I would like to see happen is posted limits that regardless of who you were, You know, even if it's only 250 bucks for a WNBA total, we don't see people getting run out of books unless you're doing something illegal. And if you want to extend higher limits or higher credit lines or whatever it is, then you make those decisions on a uh, case-by-case example. Uh, But I ultimately think the more stuff we can do as an industry in black and white is going to benefit sports bettors, it's going to benefit operators, and going to create a much more symbiotic relationship. Yo, Todd didn't
2: know... Todd didn't think you knew what ecosystem was.
3: I thought you were good when you said Todd didn't know. That, like, that, that alone, I thought you were going to end there. You didn't stop. You kept going. I thought we were okay. I had a lot
0: more to try and get out. You know, Dave kind of gave me an open floor. I gave uh, my two-minute monologue, if I can run to be sports betting president. You know, Mo, you can be my campaign manager because I'm going to need somebody out there to do dirty work, and we know you got enough dirt under your fingernails.
3: Well, obviously, you're a criminal, uh, as I already stated, but uh, once we're done with that campaign, then when you're writing and I'm running my own, my own joint, which would be an insane deal, uh, we'll, we'll get to that you know, later down the road.
0: You know, you know what I like to think? There's a gas station somewhere in Mesquite that's going to look to be its own standalone operation <laughs> with one to two terminals, Mo, and they're going to be extremely lucky to make you their VP of risk management
3: you yeah, when you're writing there it's you'd gonna be, be sick well, well, those, look be
0: well, look
3: when they write the book about this in like 40 years if we make it there then i'll be happy i'll be content
0: i can respect that I'm i'll right. give you an, i'm happy you know mo when you publish your autobiography and it's ultimately out there the first book signing you do regardless of where i live or the condition i'm in i'm happy to be there i'll be the first one waiting in line
3: you're my you man dog you're my man <laughs> you might have to write the forward Actually,
0: you know, Dave, what I was going to say, it's just going to be a picture book. I mean, let's not. (laughs) I mean, that's going to be the reality of it. It's going to be 10 different pictures, little caricatures that somebody else will have drawn for him. And I don't like how
3: I set it up. That's some bullshit. That's it'll a, be, insane. you know, the baby's first
0: guide like, to sports betting. I mean, one way or another. And you know what the irony will be though, Mo? You'll end up making millions off of the deal and you'll get last laugh over the three of us.
3: That's what I love. That's all I know. I'm not going to know how to spend it, obviously, but sports I'll, I'll know when it happens. I'll be good.
2: Sports gambling yep. picture books. That is probably the future of this industry. That's
1: it. WMBA first half O's. That's what you'll be <laughs> that, that, I what, hate the sky. There you go. All, all right. Both skies. <laughs> um, Todd, how'd the move go? You, you all settled uh, in? I mean, did the direct TV wires all get put together? I mean, it sounded like it was a disaster,
0: brother. Uh, it wasn't the most pleasant experience. The man cave is going to be a work in progress with college football getting slid back. You know, we're, we're working on getting things set up and established uh, in time for the start of football season, September 10th. I wish it was going to be fully operational for uh, hockey and, you know, for the NBA resumption, the seating, whatever that games we want to call it. But uh, unfortunately, Handy is not my middle name. And uh, if you're going to give me a drill and give me some of the brackets, there's no chance these TVs are going to get put up in a position where I don't have to sleep with one eye open, afraid that they're going to slam themselves into the floor in the middle. You know
1: of the know who's, who's really good <laughs> with that shit? Mo. Mo is really, really good with that shit. I'm not getting pretty cheap.
0: I'm not trusting Mo with anything better than a black and white 13-inch TV with rabbit ears.
1: Simple, yeah. Don't no, I can't
3: be trusted with much. So, at least you know that much at this Very point. Very good point. I got a good scouting report
0: on you, buddy. I'm good.
1: Oh, oh solid. So. All right, fellas, that's gonna do it for the show. We got Todd Furman, dude. Thanks so much for staying with us the whole time. He's, you know, the 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 financial former financial analyst, former odds maker at Caesars. Uh, current analyst on FoxBet Live, host of the Bet the Board podcast at Todd Furman on Twitter. Thanks again for following us uh, and joining us today on the show. Go easy on Mo on Twitter, please. He um,
3: needs to know that I, I think he styles me blocked from like two
1: years ago.: uh, right. Not like blocked
0: from, Not blocked, just not muted. Blocked.
3: There (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Too much truth, man. He doesn't like the truth. He doesn't (laughs) like the realness.
1: Alan, I'm going to go to you first. Todd, we always do a take a minute segment at the end of our shows. You're more than welcome to do one. I'm going to give the boys the forum first. You know, you're like the last kind of – you get the defense attorney close, cross, whatever it is. So, Alan, first, if you have anything, take a minute. Now is your time. I just want
2: to get the house rules on how many times I get a slap in my toy. That's all I'm really interested
3: in over the next like, <laughs> month or so. Make sure you read it on Twitter. I feel like people should oh, know yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
1: we'll, we'll have uh, clauses and everything. I feel like that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. All right. Um, day one, Fonzie Parlay. A's, raise J's. Winner, cash a ticket, 6.2 to 1. A's let us down the second day. And now they're, you know, not playing and everything we're, else. So keep we'll an eye on that for, for Twitter.
2: The Blue Jays got the, uh, you know, the, the quarantine postponed. So they'll, yes. uh, they'll battle back soon. And um, we're going to keep cashing that ticket.
1: Yep. Mo Toy, what do you got? One minute. You got one, You got your man right here. You... <laughs> Get up off the bat, Mo.
3: I don't have much. No, I'm good right now. I was flurrying. He thought he had me, but I'm, I'm okay. No, honestly, I'm happy that sports are back. I'm happy that we get to do this still, man. I was in a, I was, you know, at work today, uh, something that Furman doesn't know anything about because he's a criminal. Um, <laughs> but I was booking that Pelicans jazz game today, and it, it brought back, you know, memories of what it was before COVID. Uh, I don't know how much time that was, obviously, because I don't know much. But, uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun to be in this business, man. And, uh, you know, I was just happy to be back at work with actual, uh, you know, markets that are pretty liquid for
1: me to book. Thank you. Excellent. We didn't talk soccer. We didn't talk golf. We got the main sports in. Todd Furman, on the way out here at Cash Considerations, do you have a minute? It's the late rounds. You got him on the ropes. It's up to you to deliver the knockout blow. Uh,
0: Mo's already standing eight count. I mean, he looks like King Hippo in the old school uh, Mike Tyson's punch out. You hit him a couple times in the belly, but he's sitting down. You know he's not getting back up off the canvas. Uh, But all kidding aside, guys, uh, you guys put it consistently put out good content. You have fun with the industry. And I think there's so many people out there that take sports betting way too seriously. Let's not kid ourselves. 98 to 99% of the people that are betting the games are doing it as a form of recreation. I always say do it responsibly. Never take money away from things on a day-to-day basis that are going to impact your quality of life. Otherwise, you're going to end up without a roof over your head, without food on the table. And you could be those
3: roommate on the corner of Las Vegas Boulevard. My man. And that's coming soon. I'll put out all the information later. He doesn't
1: even have a timer, fellas. He just has the timer in his head. He he's, a he's a robot. He's got 52.
3: the schematics right behind him. Out this out is a 52. simulation. <laughs> Living in a
1: simulation. <laughs> oh, what a pro. Todd, thanks again. Um, thank, thank you guys for having I, me. I really appreciate my it. My see man. if We can get um, Alan called him the real star of the show. Clay Travis maybe he can join us at some point or cousin Sal. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank Roy Stickerson. He's at Royce3D for making the contact. And he's been listening to the podcast. He, he gave me those questions. I wanted to thank him. For the boys, we got Motoy Pearson at wow. takes sweating the Laker game. We got at Berg, Allen Berg, also apparently sweating the Laker game. We got Reynolds. <laughs> I am Reynolds, 2305. Excellent job, sir. Thank you for getting it all set up. Sound checks. And just want to mention the Gaming Today news. Howard at Gaming Today News. Check that out. The uh, print edition is available in Sportsbooks as well as the electronic edition. And myself, the show at GT Cash Consider. Keep following along. Keep participating in pools. And watch out for what Furman does to uh, Mo here on Twitter. It's probably going to be pretty good. <laughs> he just heard because I called him a criminal. Sheriffin at Sportsbook here at SportsBK Consig. We will see you guys next week. Welcome back, sports.